that eternal love, the love that never ends, the agape love. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise and give you glory for your goodness and your grace this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. You love us. You show us your grace and your mercy. And we pray today for your glory. We pray today for the manifestations of the sons and the daughters of God that are full of the glory of God that manifest in the earth. We give you praise and thanks for this today in the matchless name of Jesus. And we believe you today that you show your glory not only to us but through us today that others may see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And we give you praise and thanks for this this morning in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give him a vovation of the morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. I'm so glad that you made your way to the house of the Lord to worship with us on today. Praise God. Today we're going to conclude our series on the heart for the house. And we are going to look at our fourth E, and that is engage our culture with love. Amen. Our scripture theme text is this, Acts 1 and 8. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Praise God. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's our four platforms from which we uh, share the gospel each and every week, right? This is what we're endeavoring to do, aspiring to do, is this, that One Life Church aspires to encounter God, equip believers, empower followers, and engage our culture with love. Amen. 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 One Life Church aspires to encounter God. Without an encounter, then you have nothing else. <clears throat> an encounter is not just a one-time thing, but it should be a daily thing, a weekly thing. You've got to have an encounter with God. Then we equip believers and empower followers. What's the difference between a believer and a follower? A believer is uh, any, anybody can believe. It doesn't take much to believe. You can believe that Jesus is uh, the Christ. You can believe in the Lord. You can believe in God. But, but the followers, it's the next step, which is what his disciples were. A disciple, or, disciple is called a follower of Jesus and so to follow him we endeavor to walk in his footsteps in the path that he has prepared for us right and then today we want to talk about this engaging our culture with love because we have to do more than just uh, talk the talk and we have to do more than just say that we're doing something but we have to uh, do it and that's where we put uh, feet to what we say we're going to do is engaging our culture 
And so we conclude this vision series today with the fourth E, and that is engage your culture with love. We are living in a different America than the America that I grew up in. Whenever I was growing up, everyone respected leaders. Everyone honored the flag. They stood for the national anthem. Nearly everyone went to church. I know that I've told you before, but there was one man in our community that didn't go to church and, and, and it can seem to me considered that he was kind of weird. Because everyone honored God. They had a respect for the things of God. Even if they weren't a follower of Christ, they respected the church. They respected you didn't have to lock the church because there wouldn't nobody dare come in the house of God and steal from the church. Amen. Uh, you, could, you could leave the doors open. People could come in and pray. They could come and go as they desired because you knew that the church was a safe place and nobody was going to mess with what was in the house of God. But how many know that's not the truth any longer? Hey, we are living in a different America. Christianity is no longer our value system. For a long time, I didn't want to admit this. I didn't want to admit that America was a post-Christian nation. But the reality of it is, is that's exactly where we're at. We are living in a nation today that was founded on Christendom, but no longer follows the, the, uh, the instructions, the guidance, the morals, the values of Christianity. We no longer have a value system. People no longer go to church because they feel a moral responsibility to go. How many remember whenever even folks would go out to the club on Saturday night, but they'd come to church on Sunday? They didn't, they weren't hypocrites. They didn't act like, they didn't even pretend. There was folks that I remember going, coming to the church that I grew up in. And if you asked them if they as a Christian, they'd say no, but they were there every Sunday. They were there because they, they felt that the, this responsibility, this respect for God and the things of God. And so people, the, where people used to go to, look to, was to the church but I heard some statistics just recently that 53% of Americans will never never come to the church never come to church that means whenever they're having marriage issues they never think about going to the church for help when they get sick that never crosses their mind that I should go to the church and have the church and the elders to pray for me. That I may be able to receive healing. When tragedy happens, they're not thinking about church. When they're going through difficult situations, it never crosses their mind that maybe I should go to the church and see if I can find some help. It never crosses their mind. This is where we're living today. 
9-11, perhaps in America, 9-11 was the last time that people ran to the church in a time of urgency. And the highest level of church attendance in America was at 9-11 that dated all the way back to the Depression. And the Depression was the greatest time that of, of church, church, church history in America. It was the greatest time of church growth and the greatest time of church attendance was in the Great Depression until 9-11. And when 9-11 happened, they, they flooded the churches. They got to the church because there was still yet in, in the moral fiber, even though people were not of a part of the church or followers of Christ, there was still in the fiber of America that God was our hope and he would protect us and he was the answer. And for the next four weeks in America was the highest attendance in, in church history until the depression after 9-11. For four weeks. Four weeks. But then after we seen the smoke had cleared and everything had settled down, then, then there wasn't much need for God. I don't know, maybe they didn't find what they were looking for. Maybe, maybe they didn't see anything different in the church than they seen in the bar. Is that too real for you? Maybe they didn't find any hope in the church just like they didn't find any hope in the world. I, I don't know, but all I know is, is after four weeks, the attendance dropped off and it went back to normal. Only 17.7% .7 of Americans even attend church. Less than 18% of Americans come to church. Think about that. There's only 19% of this generation of in America that even profess to be Christians. But watch this. Out of that 19%, 63% of them, of American teens and those in this generation that confess, profess to be Christians, don't believe that Jesus is the one true Son of God. Over half of those who profess to be Christians, 63% say that, that Jesus isn't the true Son of God. So that's not Christianity at all. <laughs> the very foundation of Christendom and we don't know if he is the true and the only son of God Christianity do not believe that Jesus Christ is the true son of God and 58% of them believe that all faiths teach equal valued truth in other words it doesn't matter if you're a Christian you're a Muslim you're a Hindu or whatever you are it's all equal truth in other words Every path leads to the barn. Amen? But how many know today that's not true? We've seen one of the most popular, and I don't mean to beat on people. I don't 
get up and you know that. I don't get up and browbeat people, but we, one of the most popular preachers in America today gets on the national television and is asked the question, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And his response is this, well, I'm not going to judge anybody. I'm going to leave that to God. Well, it, it, it doesn't take a real profound, you don't even have to be a preacher. All you got to do is read the word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. He said, I am the door. Amen. I am the gate of heaven. And so the reality of it is this. You can say that, well, you're, you, you're just have narrow vision. No, we have, have to understand truth. Amen. And the truth is, is Jesus came and paid the price that nobody else has ever paid for our redemption, our salvation, and to give us a access to the Father God. Amen. And you say, well, why are you painting such a, a dark picture? Because I want us to see how important this E is. I want us to see how important this E in our vision is. Because you must be a part of a counterculture where we are not afraid or ashamed to engage our culture with love. Amen. You see, if we are ashamed or afraid to give our testimony then we'll never lead anyone to Christ. John 13 and verse 35, he said, By this will everyone will know that you are my disciples if you go to church on Sunday. If you profess to be a Christian. Huh? No, he said it's based upon this one thing. If you have love one for another. Amen? How many know who the atheist Penn Gillette is? This is what he said about Christians. He says, if you stand next to Penn in the street and don't believe that a truck is going to hit you, then there will be a certain point when Penn would tackle you to get you out of harm's way. He says, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. <laughs> This is an atheist. If you believe that there is a heaven or a hell or that people can be going to hell or not get eternal life and you think it's not really worth telling them because it may make it socially awkward, as atheists think people shouldn't proselyte, just keep religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselyze? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that there is hope? End of quote. Let me remind you that these words are coming from an atheist. And he says, what's wrong with you so-called Christians that say you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and you won't tell nobody about it? How bad do you have to hate somebody to not let them know there is a way to eternal life? I think we have to let that sink in. 
we're cowered back, where we don't do personal evangelism, where we don't share our faith, where we don't share the gospel. Personal evangelism, or as Penn calls it, proselyting, is the only way America is going to be saved. This nation will not be saved with big-name preachers, but rather no-name followers that love the lost so much that they're willing to share the gospel with them. That they're willing to tell, their, tell the truth and tell the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, some people say, you know, I've, I've heard people say this, and I'm not pointing at anyone in particular because I'm not thinking of nobody in particular, all right? I'm just saying this in general. I hear people say, what, the, what we need to do is preach more on hell. And my question is, what's it going to do? Did you not know you was on your way to hell when you was a sinner? You didn't need nobody to tell you you were going to hell, turn or burn. What you needed is to get, tell somebody to tell you how to get on a different path. How to shift from going to hell to going to heaven. You needed somebody to tell you that there was hope in your life that you didn't have to continue down that road you were on. Amen. And so here, here is our issue is that, that the church, I know I've already told you this, but a church of a hundred people, an average, a church that averages a hundred people every week of the year, the, the, the statistics tell us they have one person a year saved. One person a year. Why is that? Because we're all waiting on uh, folks to come to the church whenever I told you statistically that 53% of them have already said we're never going to church. So how are we going to get them saved if the church doesn't share their testimony? How are we going to get them saved? How is their lives going to be changed if we do not share the good news of what Jesus has done in our lives? Amen? If Jesus has done something good for us, then we should tell the story, no matter where we are. No matter who, what people think. Amen? This world is so messed up that you can't worry about what people think anymore. Chris and I was working together the other day. He was helping me on some things and, and uh, he told me that, that now there's more than, they think there's more than two genders. I didn't think that he was lying to me, but I asked Siri. <clears throat> And Siri told me that there is as many genders as there are people. Ask her when you get out of here. Not right now, but when you get out of here. There's as many genders as you are, there are people. If that, is, if that isn't messed up, I don't know what is. And the church remains silent. We're afraid of offending somebody. We're afraid of, of 
that we may be affecting someone in a negative way. But I want to tell you today that we must learn to share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must learn to tell our testimony so that we can, they can have some hope because there's no hope in the political system. There's no hope in all of these other systems. I can name them all, but there's no hope in these systems. The only hope that there is is in the kingdom of God. And so we've got, to, we've got to share our faith. We've got to talk, talk the talk, but we've also got to live it out. Amen. Amen. So what if everyone shared what Jesus did for them? What would happen if everyone shared what Jesus did for them? Could you imagine the kingdom of God where the people... Now thank God for his house. Thank God for those who walk these aisles and come and surrender their life to Christ. Thank God for that. But can you imagine the kingdom of God where that when we come in on Sunday, we find all kinds of new believers because somebody shared their testimony and led somebody else to Christ. Could you imagine that kind of that kind of faith, that kind of action in response, we'd have to keep the baptismal pool filled every Sunday for the new converts that are coming in every week because somebody shared their faith and they surrendered their life to Christ. Could you imagine and envision during our worship having baptismal every Sunday because somebody shared the love of Jesus? And new sons and daughters were being brought into the kingdom of God. It sounds so far-fetched because we don't live what the kingdom is supposed to be about. I've talked to you about it several months ago where that we, the, the pool versus the river. And we have become the pool and we're just waiting for everybody to come to the pool so they can get fixed, so they can get help. But God never intended for us to be a pool. That's the reason why Jesus showed up at the pool and, and he told the man that day, he said, it's not about the stirring of the pool anymore. It's about a river and I am that river. And whenever you get in the river, then you don't have to wait for an angel to come because you're flowing in the spirit of God. You're flowing in the river of God and so every single day lives are being changed every single day people are being healed and delivered and set free by the goodness and the grace of a loving God amen and so that's the reason why we've got to tell our story that's the reason why we've got to share our faith is because somebody you're in contact with is in desperate need of hearing hope We're good at facades. We're good at putting on the smiley face. But you don't know how depressed and even suicidal people are that's standing right beside of you. You don't know how overwhelmed with circumstances and situations people are that you work with every single day. Just this past week, I heard a story of such a situation where an unfortunate 
situation where a man took his own life and the, and the, the person telling me this said, we had no idea that these kind of things were going on. Had no idea. It seemed as though he had everything together. He was always smiling. All of these things. But you don't never know what people are dealing with. Just what behind that smile can be a broken heart. Behind that smile can be a, a, a frustrated mind. That is confused with everything going on around us in the world. And we need to tell somebody about the hope of Jesus Christ. Engage our culture with love. Amen. Don't be afraid. We don't need more teaching. We don't need more preaching. We don't need another how-to. What we need is boldness. Amen. What we need is a holy boldness like came upon Paul like came upon the disciples, like came upon the apostles, where that they would share their faith even if it meant their lives would be uh, taken from them. Amen. How, how, how deep are you entrenched in this? How, how much do we believe in this? Do we believe in it that, that enough to, to, to lay down our lives if necessary? What if we shared our faith in Jesus, what he did for us? How would it change somebody else's life? How would the culture shift if we got away from a mindset of what am I going to get until we begin to think about what can I give? Who am I going to get to bless today? Who am I going to be able to share eternal life with today? Who, 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 how can I be a blessing to somebody else? Amen? The other week, we, we had, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, on Wednesday night, we, we, after the conclusion of the service, uh, kind of a conclusion of the message anyways, we had a testimony service and it really just blessed me. I don't know if anybody else was blessed or not, but it blessed me because uh, people was talking about how that, that uh, they had been here, uh, you know, sometime and God used this house to bless them. How that people's lives were spared and God had taken care of them and how he could see the angel, the Lord, protecting them and taking care of them. You know, and, and, and had we not had that opportunity, we'd have never known those kind of things ever happened. Amen. We, we, we will seek God for a long time for him to do the miraculous, but then we don't take very much time to thank him for what he's done. Amen. But we've got to engage our culture with the love of Christ. Tell our story. Somehow we've got so that we are afraid that we're going to do it wrong. But this is my question. How can you tell your story wrong? It's your story. It's what God did for you. You don't have to embellish it. You don't have to add nothing to it. Just tell your story. 
and it'll be enough to cause others to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you that. Amen. Sister Kelly, come here. I want you to share with me Wednesday night. I want her to tell her story. Is that all right? All right. Turn right around here. I went back to Kentucky and had some more testing done. My heart's good, my kidneys are good, and my liver is cancer-free. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's praise him for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. And we expect that. believe God. You, you say, well, what about, what about, Anna, don't worry about what about. Celebrate what God does. Amen. Be fa- thankful and thankful for what God is doing in our lives and in our midst and just appreciate what God does. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Because whenever we are faithful in thanking him, he'll continue to Amen. bless us. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Wednesday night, the Lord just Spirit of God, and I know, you know, some of you can't make it on Wednesday night, but that's, I'm telling you, you're missing out. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, Wednesday night, I love Wednesday night, and I preach my best on Wednesday night. I keep my best for Wednesday nights. Amen. Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit just shifted in a direction where I was planning on going, but just began to talk about the goodness of God and the power of God and what God is doing and and uh, we begin to pray and prophesy and speak into the atmosphere about the miracles and signs and wonders and what God is doing in this last day because God is up to something significant and if we are not tuned into the spirit we're going to miss it amen in this day and time whenever the prayer warriors have grown weary and quit praying Amen. In this time, in this season, whenever people are becoming overwhelmed with all of the things that are going on in our lives, I'm telling you that there is a shifting and a stirring in the atmosphere that God's about to do something. He's going to undo, outdo, and overdo everything the devil has ever done, and there's not going to be a trace of the devil. Amen. Because God is greater than everything that we've ever faced or dealt with. And so we need to be keenly aware of that and we need to share our testimony. How many believe if Sister Kelly was to tell that to somebody uh, out here in Walmart today, that would encourage somebody? Amen? That somebody may even believe in God and come to faith, surrender their life to Christ. Because I don't know about you, but that's the kind of God I'm looking for. Whenever I'm sick, he, he touches me and helps me and strengthens and heals my body. Amen? Praise God. And so in that atmosphere Wednesday night, we just began to release some things into the spirit. And um, 
And so God is good and he does great things. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And I'm looking forward to even more testimonies of what God is doing. But we just got to learn how to share. Amen? James? Oh, man. There you go. Come on up here. So Wednesday night, we shared in that atmosphere, and then tell them what happened Thursday. Um, uh, hold on. Uh, I was on a fundraiser. We were, I don't remember where we were. Jackson, Ohio. And um, this guy, you know, I always pray for people. Uh, um, uh, oh, man, hold on. You always get me up here out of nowhere, man. <laughs> um, we were in Jackson, Ohio, and this guy, uh, I got a word about his back, and I start praying for his back, and he tells me about his sister that uh, is in the hospital. They've done took her off the respirator, declared her unresponsive. They gave up on her. And uh, I pray for her, and um, he comes back about 30 minutes later, and uh, he jumps out of the truck and he hugs me. says he received a phone call that she's responsive and the doctors don't know how. And I, and uh, you, get, you care if I say this? Something real quick? See, the thing is, this is the same exact prayer that I prayed when my mom was in the hospital with cancer and she died. Uh, I said, sister, I say to you, get up, rise up right now in the name of Jesus. But my, my, and my mama died. But I can't afford to make my own doctrine up out of my life experience. Right. I, can't, I can't afford to do this. But when there's people, uh, that is the truth. I go back to the Bible and it says, that, uh, These signs follow those that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Right. I can't afford to make my own doctrine up out of what went on. Right. So you, you just pursue the word. Just pursue the word. That word is real. It is truth. Yeah. And, it, and it imparts life. And we just, <laughs> oh man, and um, I want, uh, 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 we were in Amelia, Ohio, and uh, we was there about a month ago, and I prayed for this lady's back, and she said, ain't nothing going to happen, and I prayed for her anyway, and uh, she, we were there two, week, two weeks ago, and she comes out, and she kind of, uh, she said, there was a young man out here prayed for my back, and I told him, wasn't nothing going to happen. And I got up the next morning, and she said, I, I ain't had no pain in my back since. And she, she had to be 60 or 65, and she did a little dance and everything. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like, I, I like how he said, engage our culture with love. You know, we're. He equipped us with the Spirit of God to take the kingdom to the streets. You heard the statistics. They're not going to come here. So we have, we're equipped. Jesus paid for us to be equipped with the Spirit of God to take the kingdom to the streets. That's how you engage the culture. The enemy is... Um, got our minds so messed up that with fear and doubt and what if that we don't ever pray for people to be healed. Amen? But you see, 
James just said something. He said that lady said even she said, "Well, nothing's going to happen." We we have believed, and it is a faith thing that, and you can have your faith. But whenever the four men took the boy, the man, other friend to Jesus, you remember that. He didn't say it was his faith. He said when he saw their faith. You know, in this last day, God's going to do some things that, that people don't believe can happen because the real reality of it is miracles are for the unbeliever to believe. Amen? Now, how many know that that woman, when she woke up and there wasn't no pain in her back and hasn't had it since, that she had to believe what this young man told her? Amen? It's real easy. Can I pray for you? Amen. You don't have to be in a cathedral. You don't have to be in a church service. You can be in Walmart, aisle number five. Amen. T.L. Lowry was a great man of God. He was one of the men of God that I knew that personally that whenever he walked into a room, he could shift the atmosphere. You didn't even have to see him. You could just feel the atmosphere shift. One day he was telling his story of many stories that he had, but he said that he was in the air talking to a, reading his Dake's Bible. You all know how big a Dake Bible is. And he's reading that Dake's Bible, and he said, the man sitting beside of him said, uh, are you a preacher? And Brother Lowry in that deep voice said, whatever gave you that idea he started talking to him about the Holy Spirit and uh, the guy said that he would like to receive such a gift and brother Lowry said there's no better place than right here <laughs> he got that man up in the aisle and laid hands on him he said he fell out speaking in tongues 38,000 feet in the air <laughs> he said I'm here to tell you this thing will work anywhere <laughs> Amen. We just got to be agents. We got to be willing. Amen. I know most of you know Chris's story, Chris Parsons. But what was last week, last Sunday? What that, am I right? Last Sunday? What that mark? Five years. I thought I was right. Five years. That ought to give some folks hope. Uh, huh? That ought to give some people some desire to press in a little thing to the things of God and say if they did it for Chris Parsons, then surely he can do it for me. Amen? Praise God. Just tell your story. How many think that could change somebody's life? Just tell your story. Just tell your story. It's easy. You can't mess it up. You don't even have to. You don't even have to um, practice it. You just tell it. Amen. Just tell it. And if God did it for them, they can do it for me. Just tell it. Amen. Engage our culture with love. 
Not you going to hell, you fool. Tell them how not to go to hell. Tell them if Jesus did it for me, he can do it for you. There's hope in Christ. Because the reality of it is, is that we are to be the light of the world. In the beginning of time, the Bible says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. Amen? Amen? And there was light. There was light in the earth. Why did, why did God create light? The reason God created light is because nothing can exist or live without light. If light ceases to be, then we cease to be. Because we cannot live without light. You won't make it. You'll die. It'll never happen. Why? That's the reason why God created light before he created man. What for he created these other things so that in the midst of light that we could live. Right? I mean, know that and believe that without light there is no life. And here, you, we, as we follow this, that he created light and now without light there is no life. But then he says, I am the light of the world. Without the light of Christ, there is no life. We, cease, we, we, we exist, but we have no life. We live, but have no hope, right? There's no purpose for our living or our being whenever we have no light in our lives. We, we go main, maintain, we go through the motions, we go through the mundane, we go through the rigors of life, but have no purpose, have no reason for living, and have no joy, right? And, and the reason is because there is darkness. In darkness, it is death. In darkness, there's uncertainty. In darkness, you cannot find your way because you, you are not able to see in the dark. But it is when the light comes, amen? When the light comes, then the light comes on, you are able to see your direction. You're able to go in the way that you want to go. You're, you're able to put one foot in front of the other and never have a worry or concern because you know you can see where you're going. That's what Jesus does when he comes into our life. He said, I am the light of the world. And so when the light of the world comes into our life, he begins to illuminate our life so we can see our path more clearly. So that we can see the ways of the Lord. So we can see the purpose of God for our life. He will give us direction. He will give us correction. In the light of the glory of God, we will be able to be all, do all, and accomplish all that God has ordained for us to be, do. Amen. And so he says, I am the light of the world. Whenever Jesus comes, the light of the world comes, there is, the, the darkness had to go. Whenever God said, let there be light, and light came, darkness flee. There was no war. There was no struggle. There was no, no time that it just said, well, I, I'm not going to go. Whenever he said, let there be light, darkness is gone. Amen. It flees. 
The Bible said, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Now, I want to submit to you today that whenever the light of his glory comes into your life, there is no struggle in that. Darkness has to go. Amen. There may be some strongholds in your mind if there's demonic strongholds and things of that nature and you've been tampering with things and allowed demonic spirits to come into your life. They may build a stronghold, but I want to tell you today that when the light of His glory comes into your life, there's no stronghold that can hold you down. That thing has got to go. Amen. Because the light of the world has come into your heart and into your life. Amen. He says, I am the light of the world. And so when his light comes into us, life comes into us. And if life has come into us, why wouldn't we share that life with somebody else? Can I tell you today, it's more than just a good idea, but it is a mandate. It's an honor and a joy to be a Christian, but with the honor and joy is also a responsibility. And that responsibility is to share with others the love of Christ. It is to tell somebody else how good Jesus has been to you. Because there came a time when the, the light came into the world and when God's glory came into the earth, he said, I am the light of the world. But when Jesus came into the New Testament, he no longer just, he said, I am the light. But then he comes to a point when he says this, he says, Greg, you are the light of the world. Clint, you're the light of the world. Whatever your name is, you are the light of the world. A city, a light set on a hill and a city that cannot be hid. And so now here's the responsibility. Here's the shift. When Jesus came, he ascends back to the Father. And when he ascends back to the Father, he says to his new birth church, you are the light of the world and it's time for you to shine in the city. In other words, it's your time to engage your culture with love. Amen. Amen. And that is not only an honor, but a responsibility. And if we're not doing that, if we're not doing that, then we are not fulfilling the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? You are the gospel. Amen. You are the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They, the Acts of the Apostles. Acts 28. But, but you are Acts 29. Amen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're, they're there for our examples, but they are not the finished work of it all. The book continues. And the book today, what, what would they see if they, if they wrote a book about your life? Would they say all the good things that God has done for you and that's it? Or would they have a, you have a testimony? Would there be a chapter or two or three or four chapters where that you shared the gospel, you shared what Jesus did for you and other people's lives were changed? Because the, this modern day church is messed up. 
where we have made God a Santa Claus. And the church is all about give me, give me, give me. Yes, I want to be blessed by God. How about you? Yes, I want the favor of God. He loads me down daily with his benefits. And for that I am grateful and thankful. And yes, there are times when I need from him. But the reality of it is, it's not always about being needy and always about me, myself, and I. But we've got to turn this thing back around to where we understand it's all about Him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And it's about Him that we lead all people to Christ. And the reason why that He's done all of this, yes, is to bless me. But that's only a secondary consequence to us understanding it's so that me men will see that he's a good, good father. That men will see that he is a God that does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think and that we will put our trust and our life into his hands that he will take care of us. Amen. So my question today is, are we going to just be a statistical church? Where we have a person saved every year. Thank God for that soul. But the reason why that we're not having. Salvation. As it should be. Is because we're not engaging the culture with love. I promise you that. told you the other week, I don't know if it was Sunday or Wednesday. You don't have to be, you don't have to be real great to, to be above average these days. You know, there's people makes a lot of money in baseball because they hit the ball three times out of ten times they come to the plate. Think about that. There's people today, you don't, you don't have to be, do much to be above average. Just put a smile on your face. Amen. I was going into Walmart the other day and a man passed me. I know he wasn't two feet away from me. And I said, hey, how you doing? Mm. I thought on my way to the car, I wonder what that meant. Mm. Can't even get a grunt out of people. So what would it be like if we put a smile on our face and said hello again? Smiled at people. Maybe even struck up a conversation and said like James, can I pray for you? Ain't nothing going to happen. That's okay. Just let me pray. There's more to the kingdom than coming to church on Sunday. And I know that there's been this thing that has put the church down where they, they, they tried to play down coming to church and I don't need to come to church and I don't need the church. I can just be a Christian all by myself that's not what the scripture says 
The scripture says we need each other. And as the world gets darker even more, we need to be each other. We need to be in the house of God. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. And I know that we're, we don't follow that very well, but the reality of it is, is all of us need each other. You may not need me today, but there'll come a time when you'll need the gift in my life that God has placed in my life to be a blessing in your life. And let's just take it a little step further. Well, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need church. I don't need to be with other believers. I'm all right the way it is. But what, but, but what about if it's not about you? What about if you don't need me? But what about if I need you? What if I need your gift? What if I need your talent? What if I need your testimony? What if I need your encouragement? Is it okay if I need you, if even if you don't need me? It's about engaging our culture with love. Telling our story. I look over this congregation week after week and I see the goodness of God. We could go on with testimonies after testimonies. I look around here right now and see, see people that are here only by the grace of God. The faithfulness of God. And we could go on, you know, until supper time tonight, talking about the goodness and how that God has delivered and set free and given hope and, and help and deliverance and all of that. And, and we're grateful for all of it, but are we doing anything with it? I was praying this morning and I, my heart, and I, and I want to pray over us here today. I know this may be just a little different than normal, but I, 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 want, I want us to pray. If you have a special need today, I surely I want to pray with you. But, but I, I was praying early this morning, and, and my, it, what was in my heart, I want to pray here today. I, I just found myself praying, asking God to give each of us an opportunity between now and the end of the year. It's a pretty good time, huh? Between now and the end of the year, to share our faith with somebody share our testimony and that's not only going to be my prayer today but be my challenge to you amen because it's more and, and, and I'm all about coming I've, and, and I hope I'm making sense here today I'm all about coming to church but but my my desire is that you find the joy of leading somebody to Christ that you experience that I'm almost done Anthony thought I was done 15 minutes ago and I appreciate that brother Anthony amen how many have ever read after Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth, he, he, he was a great man of God. He was a plumber. He wasn't even a preacher. He was a plumber. But he knew the power of God. His wife died. And he picked her up out of the bed, threw her body against the wall, and commanded life to come back into her. And she stood up. 
started breathing. Smith and God had a conversation. He tells this in his story, one of the books. He said that he and God was having a conversation and, and about his wife. And he said, God said to him, I, I wanted her. And, and Smith sat, asked him, said, well, why didn't you take her? And he said, because you stood between me and her. He, he was asked the question one day. He was sharing his faith. He told, he led a, a person of significance to, to uh, the Lord in his testimony and sharing with her. And, and she said to him after her conversion, she was so excited and she asked him as he was walking away, how do I keep this joy? How do I keep this feeling? And he said, I turned to her, and my response was, give it away. Give it away. <laughs> you remember the joy that you had in your heart the day you were saved? You remember the joy that came, and the burdens rolled away, and the peace came, and it felt like those hundred-pound sacks were lifted off of your life, and you nearly needed something to hold your feet to the ground? You remember whenever you vowed and said, I'll do anything you want me to do, God. And then years passed and life came and situations arose. Huh? And we kind of settled into the mundane. But I want to encourage you today, if you want to feel that again, if you want to experience that again, if you want that kind of encounter again, just give it away. Share your faith with somebody. Tell your testimony with someone. Not only his saving power, but his keeping power. Amen. Would you stand with me today, please? I want to pray this prayer over you this morning and then. If there's any special needs, we'll certainly pray for you today. Father, I thank you for this beautiful family that you've placed us in. I thank you for each of my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for the testimonies that we have heard here today and those we have heard in Wednesday nights. I thank you for that. Now I'm asking you today, God, that you will give us a holy boldness, a boldness that we will not be inferior, that we will not be intimidated, that we will not be fearful, but God, that we will be bold as lions. I pray, God, that you would restore the roar of the church, the lion, the tribe of Judah, that, that shout of an anthem of praise and thanksgiving that would come from our hearts. And, and I pray, God, that you would give that type of holy boldness to each and every one of us. And God, I'm asking you, between now and the end of this year, December 31st, I pray that at least you will give us one opportunity to share our faith. You will give each and every one that is in here today the holy boldness to share their faith, to share what you have done for them. 
because there's so many pendulets out there that are looking but they haven't seen you I pray that their testimony will be a light and be a witness to those around about them that you they will see your good works and glorify the Father I pray that we would have a, a harvest of souls, that there would be a revival of souls, God, in these months ahead, because we, your church, engage our culture with love. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.